Hi y'all, editing Beth here. This is just a quick note to say that this week's episode is a monster. Um, you may have already noticed that it does clock in at almost two hours long. And look, normally we try to keep these episodes closer to the hour mark. But when I tell you Jamie and I recorded for three hours worth of raw audio, I am not exaggerating. We have tried our damnedest to cut this down to something that is even manageable. So I apologize if the audio quality is not great or if there's weird jump cuts or things get repeated. We have tried, but as you will come to see, if you listen to the whole thing, we had a lot to say. I'm also going to very quickly mention that we do cover a fair few more intense topics this week. So we don't go into anything too explicit, but I am going to put a list of potential triggers down in the episode description. So if you are concerned, this would be your opportunity to go and check those. And I will say that if you want to sort of avoid anything particularly heavy, I would suggest that about 40 minutes in is where you would want to start thinking about skipping. And I would skip to at least about the hour mark, hour five mark. That is just a rough guide. Like I said, anything more specific will be in the description below, although it is super hard to timestamp because things do continuously crop up throughout the episode. So my best rough guide for any of the things that are listed, if you want to avoid them, I would skip from about 40 minutes to about the hour mark. And outside of that, you're probably going to be okay. I do sincerely apologize if I have missed anything. But like I said, this was a three hour edit, so it's been particularly tricky. I also do just want to say that this is the first episode we have released since our Spotify wrapped came out. And Jamie and I were astounded to see how many of you, first of all, shared that we were in your Spotify wrapped, particularly if we were in your top five of podcasts or even your number one podcast of the year. We honestly never thought more than two people would listen to the podcast, those two people being me and Jamie while we were editing. So the fact that so many of you reached out or sent us screenshots is just amazing. And it's so great to see that so many of you enjoy listening to us carry on like idiots <laughs> for a couple of hours a week. So thank you so much for listening and know that we appreciate every single one of you so very much. So thank you. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. And yeah, sorry again that it is literally two hours long. <laughs> And I'm Jamie, welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast, and I shut my cake off. And today we are going to be discussing the 13th episode of Season 4 of Supernatural, titled After School Special. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, so I have many thoughts. I'm not surprised. Episode. Not a lot of notes, but many thoughts. Okay. Because, like, some of the young Dean and Sam characterization, I was like, yes, absolutely spot on. I can see exactly... Where they got this from. Yeah. And then the other things I was really confused about. So maybe we'll start on one of the things that I'm really confused about. Yeah. And we'll go from there. Quickly before you jump in, I'm just going to make a very, like at the very top of this episode, I want you to be aware, one of the writers on this episode was Andrew Darb, who is the showrunner for the end of the series. Okay. So if you're looking at this, and especially you mentioned before we started recording about character stuff. Yeah. This is one of his first episodes. So some of his understanding of who these characters are becomes very apparent 
in this episode, it's interesting to keep in mind considering the framework of later seasons. Okay. So like just just because we're tracking who like the writing of who becomes showrunner, yep. like I just wanted to mention at the very tip top of the episode that it's this probably going to be relevant. Less fun than the Sarah Gamble long. The Sarah Gamble long cons like a fun little thing where you're like, is she psychic? Is she maliciously planning all these things out? Who knows? Is she plotting to murder Eric Kripke Whereas and steal the, his show? <laughs> like, Whereas, like, this just feels kind of like, oh, wow, does he, like, does he just have a very different, like, understanding of these characters on a foundational, like, fundamental level? Like, yeah. Because, well, first up, I just, how old are they meant to be here? Do we know? Because Sam looks like he's seven <laughs> and Dean looks like he's 35. <laughs> okay, that's a bit dramatic. He looks like he's 16, 17, 18, but Sam looks way younger than, like, well, if Dean was 16, Sam, Sam would be, be 12. 12. Sam does not look 12. Sam looks like 8, 9, 10 at the oldest. I, like, in my brain, always assumed that Dean was towards the final years of school because, oh, Barry, Sam's friend, says he only has three years left of school. So essentially, yeah. what does that make them, like, year eights, year nines? Year nines, you'd have to say. Yeah, so that would make them, like, 13-ish. But which Sam does make, not look 13 Which would make Dean's 17-ish. Yeah. Well, they make a point. The bully in the episode, Dirk, keeps referring to Sam as midget, which, problematic, it's just a blanket statement. But I think it's sort of like, it's supposed to be like kind of like humorous in the sense of like Sam ends up being so tall and he clearly just yeah. hasn't hit his puberty growth spurt yeah. yet. So I think Which like, is hilarious because if he's meant to be like 13 here, right, and he's still... Clearly and visibly shorter than everybody else in his year. And he's level. literally half Dean's height. <laughs> I think it's. I think that was is one thing that like contributes to it because not only is he short, but he's also baby faced, incredibly baby faced. In saying that though, I think they cast young Sam very well. I yes. really love the I actor. Just, I think the casting here would have been more fitting for a Sam that was like eight, nine, ten versus like. 11 12 13 Although, he just still because he looks so young still I do and, and i don't think it helps that like dean looks like instead of being like 15 16 17 he looks like he's 21 <laughs> like yeah i i really love the casting for young sam i really dislike the casting for young dean i don't mm-hmm. mind the casting for young dean i just don't think that the two actors match in terms of age. Mm. They do not look like they have four years between them, I think is the issue. Unless you think of – I mean, you could think of it as, like, Sam is before puberty and Dean is, like, at the end of puberty. And, like, to be fair, people can really – like, it can hit people like a train. The thing that that bothers me about the actor who plays the young version of Dean in this episode is not his appearance. Like, I think that, like, his appearance, I could Mm. see how he could end up looking kind of like Jensen. Like, you know, I could see it. It's his voice. Oh, yeah. That... The way that he, like, his his accent yeah. and the, his speech pattern really bothers me. I can see that, yeah. And I don't know, like, that's probably just, like, a personal thing mm. for me, but it has always bothered me. I'm like, you don't sound anything yeah. like the Dean that I know. And, like, I can see physically how your casting makes sense, but your actual... Like, his voice doesn't sound right based on where Dean's voice ends up. Well, his accent sounds yeah. wrong. Like, it's mm. like, and his accent sounds entirely different to Sam's, which makes no sense because they've grown up together and primarily really only conversing with each other. So their voices, they should have a similar, like, speech pattern mm. and similar accents. 
which like Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki do. Sounds They sound like, and obviously there are those differences because Sam goes away to Stanford for four years. So he doesn't spend that time with Dean, which you do develop and grow more as a person at college, obviously, but... And, like, he's, like, met other people and yeah. socialised with other people, so you can understand there being differences in speech. But you can still see there. the similarities enough to be like, oh, yeah, no, those two characters are brothers. Yeah, but these these two characters, I can see individually why they were cast, like, mm-hmm. for appearances and stuff, but and you're like, right, they me, don't look like they match together, yeah. and I can't see this young Dean growing into Dean that we know. And it there are moments where I can, me. like, the, the repetition of the line, like, I'm going to rip his lungs out or whatever. I think both actors did that really well. Like the similarities. The similarities yeah. are really there. But yeah, you're right. Like, especially that first scene where, like, Dean is introduced to the class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he calls the teacher sweetie or whatever. Sweetheart. And like, something about the speech patterns of the way he says it doesn't really. Doesn't quite. Like, click. And I understand, like, obviously this is, like, ten years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the shit's changed. Yeah. But it's something about it just has never quite ticked the yeah. right boxes sam perfect yeah no complaints about sam in this episode but young dean for some reason we get a lot of flashback episodes like uh, over, like not a whole lot but through the series like we've already had what two, we have a, three i think this is the third yeah because we had something we did and the very supernatural christmas and and now this and we get a few more in the coming seasons and this is my least favorite flashback episode it's something about it that just never quite sits right with me, doesn't quite click. And, like, all of Sam's stuff I love, but something about Dean's just doesn't quite... And, like, it could just be a personal thing. Quite Like, even the line about, I'm going to rip his lungs out. I, I, like, I agree. I think that the two actors, like, across those, like, it, it works. You can see, like, the similarities in the delivery. Yeah. But it feels unnatural in both instances. Yeah. Like, it doesn't actually feel like Dean. Dean. It feels like it a feels weird... like the same character, but it does not feel like Dean. Dean. Yeah, that's the thing. So, like, I think across the time period, they've sounded the same, but it doesn't work because it doesn't sound like the character would. And again, could be a personal thing, but for me, just for whatever reason, it just something's missing. Yeah, something's missing. And Dean is kind of gross in this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't love that as well. Anyway, sorry. I will let you get back to what you were talking about. For me, I don't mind the casting of the actors. I think Sam's pretty good, and I think Dean's not fantastic, but it's not like... It's not egregious. I I can... It's fine. Yeah, for me, it's just like they don't seem to be four years apart in age. It'd be interesting to see what ages the actual actors are. Yeah, I mean, we could look it up. Young Sam was played by Colin Ford, Mm -hmm. and he was born September 12, 1996, so the dude that played young Dean was born in 1985. There's oh. 11 years difference between them. Yeah, okay. So no fucking wonder. The episode aired in 2009, so he would have been about 12. 13. 13. Oh, 13. Yeah. yeah. Depending on when it was shot. Yeah. 1985 I I just, I plus think... 2009 is 24 for young Dean. Sam would have been the correct age, but Dean was absolutely not. So I've worked out why the age difference feels so, <laughs> so much. Yeah, the the casting I think of Young Dean was just wrong, and like no nothing no against the actor. actor, he did a good job. I don't have any issues with him as an actor. They should have gone with someone younger, and like in later episodes when we get Young Deans, they look entirely different, and you can still see it. So because I think that's the thing, like it feels like Dean is way too old because Dean is way too old, and it's just I'm sorry, but between the ages of seventeen and twenty five, you do some growing. 
You do some growing. <laughs> you, you become an adult. And, like, I understand that, like, child actors are more difficult to work with. But I think even if they just cast, like, a 21-year-old mm. to play 17-year-old Dean, they would have been better off. I wonder if Dean feels older because at this point, Sam is still being relatively sheltered by Dean. And so I wonder if Dean kind of feels like he's too old to be at the school because he is acting like he's too old to be at the school. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Though, we do get Caroline from The Vampire Diaries. We do, yes. I love her. Like, obviously, she's not going to be a character that comes back. No. Because she's... She's a once-off. She's a once-off. But... I think she did a fantastic job. I really yeah, enjoyed I love her, her character. performance in this episode. Like, yeah. I think that's also why him calling like the teacher like sweetheart and sweetie and that and sugar, mm-hmm. it felt more creepy. Yeah. Because he was older. For me, it doesn't read as false bravado. No. Because like, Dean is all false bravado. If he is making like those sort of like flippant comments, it is all bravado. Yeah. Like that is not him. Yeah, exactly. That is his projection. He's putting on a mask so that other people can't see how vulnerable and squishy he is. Yeah, which, in all fairness, Amanda, who's played by the actually plays Caroline, calls him out on. Yeah. Later on in the episode. Like, you know, she says, oh, it's all a front. And she's right, and you're right. But you, you're you also right in saying that it feels kind of icky. It doesn't come off as, like, cocky. It comes off as sleazy. Yeah, it doesn't come across for me as, like, a mask to hide himself because... As much as he's like, oh, thank God we're not going to be here for too long, like, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't feel like a mask, which everything else about Dean and Dean's bravado feels like a mask. Like, Jensen Ackles very much plays it as, like, even, like, the way the writers normally write it, it's like, Dean's bravado comes out when he's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Dean's bravado comes out when he's trying to deflect attention away from what he's actually feeling. The plot line with... Sam feels very like organic, feels very natural. Like, of course, Sam is going to befriend Barry. befriend Barry. Like, of course, Sam is going to resist standing up to the bully because he doesn't want to be labeled a freak. I like the freak usage in this episode at first, and then it gets to a point, and I'm just like, it's two in your face. I get it. His issue with freak stems from childhood. That's mm-hmm. great. Whatever, like. I just don't feel like they needed to keep harping on about it, but, like, yeah. that's just personal preference. It's really neither here nor there. But, like, that seems really natural to me, him resisting the urge. Like, it's the exact thing that Joe says of, like, I was the freak with a knife collection. Like, mm-hmm. that to me makes sense. What doesn't make sense to me is the fact that they went so hard on trying to redeem Dirk. They tried to excuse the fact that he was physically violent to other people mm-hmm. because he was bullied himself. Like, he wasn't just picking on Barry. He was physically tripping Barry. He was shoving Barry. He punched Sam. Like, Sam did not punch him first. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it, it doesn't excuse the behaviour. It just adds further context as to why he was performing those behaviours in the first place. Yeah. I do agree, though. It feels a lot like in the episode they try to, like, make you feel bad for Dirk. And I'm like, okay, like he was in a bad situation and I fully appreciate that. And also when you're like, like in that space growing and up and, and like, you can't always have the emotional maturity yeah. to step away from and it. Especially like we find out that like his mother was obviously going through a really laborious, slow, painful death and his dad wasn't around because he was working extra jobs. And like, so I fully can comprehend the complexity that they are 
putting into Dirk's background and as to why he would be acting out, why he's not coping, you know, and especially as a young child. Because remember, yeah. again, Dirk is the same age. He'd be like 13, mm-hmm. right? That's a fucking lot to put on a yeah. 13-year-old. But in saying that, it still doesn't make better what he did. Because essentially his behavior caused Barry to kill himself. Yes. So like, yes, Dirk was going through a horrible, horrible time, but that doesn't excuse yeah the res- and like, like the i have no behavior. issue with them adding complexity and being like well look it was like i have i take issue with the way the narrative frames it like and i understand because it's like, also perspective too from, from the, the father's dad. perspective yeah. like you don't want to believe that your son was a massive bully and and also you're only going to get your son's perspective yeah like you're not at the school watching it happen clearly no. the teachers aren't doing that fucking much about it what I don't like is the way they frame, like, the reaction shots on Sam. And it's like, now Sam regrets calling him Dirk the Jerk or whatever. Which, like... <sighs> Sam didn't arrive to the school, beat Dirk up, call him Dirk the Jerk, and then Dirk started bullying other people to lash out for being bullied. Or, or he, like, Dirk got yeah. bullied because of Sam. Like... He was already a raging bully before Sam got there. Yeah, Exactly. And, like, to have it from the dad's perspective, he became a bully because he was already being bullied. So, like, the the bullying was not new. Sam no. didn't instigate that. No. And so, it yeah, it's a really complicated, sort of convoluted plot. And, but just, like, the framing and the, like, the shot choices and the music choices, it all just, like, leads me to believe that the narrative is trying to frame it as, like, oh, but Dirk was going through a hard time, therefore... He was completely innocent. Like, yeah, it, I, it feels like John apologism to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it feels like the same shit they do to try and make you feel bad for John, despite the fact that John was a bad person to his sons. It's like, yeah, okay, just, we get it. There were other situations. Doesn't mean he wasn't a bad person. And so it is really interesting. Like, they're obviously trying to, like, add layers and complexity and i do think it is interesting that you bring up that it's a similar approach to john as a character yeah given the john stuff in this episode yeah yeah. i don't know why i go through each episode and try to find all the bits where john's being a terrible father to be able to tweak them out when they just in a single fucking recap literally i my note was recap is literally just john was an a plus parent speedrun edition (laughs) like they just literally summarize. If somebody on Twitter is like, oh, John was trying his best, John was a good parent or whatever, just send them this fucking <laughs> two-minute recap section. Not like, even a fan edit. It's not. <laughs> Dirk was going through a hard time, but it does not justify his actions. And it's like they frame it like they want you to justify his actions. Yeah. And, like, obviously violence is not the answer. No, he shouldn't have called him but also, Dirk. But also at that point, Sam had been pushed to breaking for weeks and this kid keeps assaulting him verbally physically he's assaulting his friend verbally and physically and has been for months you have to assume at least if not years and it kind of reaches a point where it's like at some point you snap yeah and also remembering they are children who haven't fully like got the comprehension Mm. of like how to handle things like their emotions and like as like adults do so you know and it it really gives rise to the most important question how buff is Sam actually? <laughs> Genuinely. The law. The but, law behind that question. While we're talking about the bullying, because I do think it's an interesting point. I know we're talking about a lot, a lot about Dirk right now, but they actually repeat this a couple of times in the episode because the very opening of the episode is that girl comes into the cafeteria and her friends are like slut shaming her for mm. 
God knows what reason. I We're going to come back to that in a second. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm going to explain my point. We're going to circle back around. Anyway, so they're being horrible to her. She goes and sits with this other girl. This other table. This other girl is so lovely. And so she's like, hey, like, don't listen to them. I'm sorry that they're putting you through it. And she's like, you know, fuck off or whatever. And then she has the audacity to be so rude to this woman who has just been so lovely to her when she can see she's going through a hard time. And she calls her a fat pig, which, first of all, makes me just so angry for, like, a number of reasons. But later, when she's, like, confronted about it, she's like, oh, like, sorry, I didn't mean it, like, kind of get over it. And it's like, no, no, the fact that you were having, like, the fact that you, you didn't were just being tell her, rude. Fuck off, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. You specifically, like, insulted her about something that it seems like it is implied has been an ongoing bullying issue yeah. for her. It Just because someone is treating you poorly does not give you the reason to treat someone else poorly, especially if they have given you no reason to. Like, if she had sat down and then the girl had just also told her to fuck off or whatever then i would get her like retaliating still not in that way but like i would get it but like she sits down and the first thing she does is be like hey like i'm sorry you're going through this i get it i see your struggle and she just like is such a bitch about it and i'm like and then she ends up being the victim and then it's like you're supposed to feel sorry for her but i don't feel sorry for her Like, I guess she shouldn't have died. Like, she didn't deserve to die. Make that very clear. She was clearly having a bad day and shit. But, like, also, I don't know, it just feels very, like, specific. Like, it feels... Yeah, they repeat it. Yeah. Like, like, the bully bully becomes the victim and you're supposed to feel bad for them. But I'm like, what is the takeaway lesson here? What's the moral of this story? It's fucking called After School Special. Like, you expect there to be a moral of the story. Yeah. Well, even, like, most stories, regardless, have some sort of, like, takeaway that you're supposed to to have from it. And I'm just confused as to what this is supposed to be teaching me. Or what I'm supposed to be inferring from it. I would feel more sympathy if, like, the, the original bully who dies literally just said, no, you're not my friend, fuck off. I don't know. This whole episode is a fucking mess. Like, not gonna lie. There are some things that I'm like, like, I can see that. And, like, I really, like, I really do enjoy the fact that, like, Sam is really short for his age. I think that's very funny. Mm-hmm. Consider like, he, like, doubles in height in the span of four years, obviously. Hilarious. But, like, there are other things that I'm just like. This episode, like I said before, I love a flashback episode. This mm-hmm. one, she's never quite hit the mark for me. I think the other thing that it doesn't help is, like, it could have been such a good flashback episode. The premise for it as a flashback episode, immaculate. Mm-hmm. Such a good idea, but the execution just, like, falls short. Like, and it's not so bad that it's like, oh, this is, like, a completely irredeemable piece of shit episode. We might as well just burn it and never watch it again. But yeah. it's like... Like, I've come back to this episode for character analysis stuff specifically, and specifically Sam stuff. Yeah. I come back to this a lot. But, yeah, as, like, a, a an episode as a whole, especially in comparison with other flashback episodes we've got, it just doesn't fit. I want to kind of, like, segue us a little bit into a absolutely not (laughs) you know this is the podcast where we only ever stay on topic and we never ever get sidetracked i want to segue this into a bethany's confused about america segment yeah yes our lovely friend elena from over on saving people queering things and also one of my co-hosts on wayward parents podcast has very very kindly offered to be our american correspondent for when i am confused about all things america please still feel free to reach out on twitter or any of the socials if you have a comment but I can ask Elena directly. (laughs) So I did ask because this has always baffled me about, not supernatural specific, but like just media in general. The presentation of American high school confuses the shit out of me because 
It always seems like what's so a freshman? A freshman? <laughs> I think it's freshman and sophomore. I feel like what the fuck is a freshman? <laughs> yes, that confuses me too. But this is not where I'm going. I don't know if it's just my school experience. I obviously can't speak for everyone in the country, but I just feel like bullying is different in the like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Is it like just the TV thing or is like bullying genuinely like this in America? Because this Apparently, is not at all. This is understated. Yeah, that's the face I made. That's the face I made. Abject confusion. Yeah. The first, what I asked Lena was I was really confused because I was like that whole bit where the girl walks in and they're talking about how she like had sex with this guy and they all start coughing into their hands and saying slut over and over. I was like, that is so, like, what the fuck is that about? Yeah. I was like, I have never, ever, ever come across Anything of that kind no. of nature. No one is out here yeah. calling people sluts, especially like not in that weird chanty group way. Like that's just bizarre. And also like physical fighting like that, like fucking almost like never happens. Like it does happen. Not in like, no one is coming no. up and King hitting you in a corridor. Like that's not like, I'm no. sure there are instances of that. But in American, like, media that we get, it seems to be weirdly common. Yeah. And it's always confused me. But, no, I was talking to Elena, and apparently they were saying that in their high school, this kind of stuff, very common. Apparently, if anything, it is understated. Even at my high school, which was public, it was, like, the closest we come to, like, any of this was, like, occasionally there'd be, like, a fight down on the oval. But normally that was, like, two people who had had beef for a while and were, like, oh, no, like... But this fucking is... come down to the oval so I can bash your head and they're like, yeah, let's go. Let's... You know, it's like, it's sort of like two people actively choosing to, to both fight each engage. other because they have an issue mm. unless like I'm one person. I'm just going to trip you for shits and kids. I'm just going to trip you over. I'm going to like. Flick your ear repeatedly in class. Yeah. And, like, like obviously we can't speak for every Australian no. situation and Elena can't speak for every American situation. But I was kind of, like, horrified. I kind of asked these questions thinking it was going to be, like, a jokey, ha-ha, no, they're over-exaggerating. But then she was like, no, no, this is, uh, that's, that's pretty standard. And I was shocked. <laughs> it's just so different and to it's what like, I And it's, like, it just seems very, like, clicky. Which, like, I don't know about you, but we certainly have, like, friendship groups. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, It wasn't please. segregated the way mm. that American media portrays, where it's, like, you have the band geeks and you have the sports people. Like, we had groups that you were more likely to fall into categories based on your interests, obviously. But it was never like a, oh, you can't hang out with the sport people if you're in drama. Plenty of people did both. Like, Troy Bolton would have had a way easier time at my high school because it would have been almost expected that he was good at both basketball and drama. Like, <laughs> Okay, so I want to... I wanna get to the bit that I am most uncomfortable about with this entire episode. I think I know what you're about to say. The line that adult Dean makes mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. three of the cheerleaders being, being legal. legal. Yeah. I think that line in itself is a thesis statement for why this episode doesn't fit with my existing characterization of Dean. Yeah, I agree. It just represents such a bad take on who Dean is as a character. Mm -hmm. It's like it completely misses the nuance of who Dean is at his core. Dean does not see an 18-year-old girl and go, that is someone I want to fuck. Dean sees an 18-year-old girl and goes, child that I must protect. Yeah, exactly. And that's a very clear distinction. And, like, obviously up to this point in the series, like, Dean's been pretty cavalier and upfront about, like, enjoying sex and, like, you know, going out and, and meeting people and having one-night stands. But n not 
in the this creepy way, like in a very consenting to like you know mature and I'm gonna go and pick up the hot bartender sort of way. Yeah, like, not in the I'm gonna pick her up from the school gate kind of way. Like also considering his love interest is a millennial. Well, yeah, I'm talking <laughs> about Anna, obviously. Sure. Yeah, it's I also detest this line. I literally my note was just the line and then vomit emoji. I just started with boo. But I think that it's a really great point is that yeah, that just highlights so clearly the mischaracterization, I think. It just it doesn't gel with the existing character that we have now had for three and a half seasons. And what gets me is they could have left that entire line out and it would have made no, no difference. fucking difference to the episode. They could have been like, oh, but have you seen the English teacher? Like, she's hot. Yeah, exactly. Like, they could have made it age appropriate, but mm-hmm. they didn't. They made it weird. And creepy. And pedophilic, really. Yeah. He comes across as really predatory in this episode. Really sleazy. Which is just like, it's really weird. Because like, yeah, Dean will lie to get people to sleep with him. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to I'm gonna lie about what I do for a living because I obviously can't tell you that I hunt fucking monsters. Mm. The characterization of Dean in this episode does really, really, really bother me for a variety of reasons, but that is a pretty big one. Because it's, first of all, it's completely unnecessary. Second of all, it's really gross. And third of all, it's just, it's almost like they completely missed the point. You know what it reminds me of? The kids are all right. Yeah. When they decided the way they were going to mirror Dean in Ben is to make him... Overtly sexual? Yeah. Yeah. To eight-year-olds. I know, it just, it makes Dean feel really sleazy as a character, whereas, like... I don't know. You know how you have those, like, gross things on, like, I remember people had, like, a countdown for, like, when Emma Watson was going to turn 18. And, like, that kind of disgusting behavior. And it's like, dude. Anyway, it's, it's a gross line. It's a gross implication in this particular scenario as well, he's posing as their PE teacher. Yeah. Which is a position of power. Uh, ugh, you know, I don't really know how to verbalize it other than just, ugh. <laughs> I don't, like this episode, it just like, in some ways, it hits the mark dead on the head. Like Dean's attitude when he's first there of like, what's the well, point in trying? What's the point in trying to like get good grades or whatever? I'm not going to be here too long anyway. And Sam sort of, like, his real reluctance to actually act like himself and, like, like that entire yeah. plot line makes a lot of sense and it, it works really well. But then you have, like, moments where it's like... We need to get onto a different topic. <laughs> okay, but Dina's the gym teacher. I have seen that <laughs> every fucking way. Yeah, the red shorts, the headband. The way he just fucking pegs the <laughs> Poor dude. Like, Which, okay, I don't know if it's, like, another cultural difference thing here, but, like, dodgeball. Like... We play dodgeball. We play do- yeah, we play dodgeball all the fucking... Like, what do you mean it's dangerous? Those balls are so soft, it would be so hard to hurt someone with... Like, I'm thinking, like, those soft, squishy pink yeah, balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fucking balls. balls. It's hard to even throw them that you use hard. Foam balls? Uh, we had at some points either foam or those like pink squishy ones. Was it like, depended just... on it depended on how many people were playing and how many balls we had available. Because like okay. sometimes if it was like a big class, you split into like two groups or whatever. But no, we play dodgeball all the time. Like there yeah. is nothing wrong with dodgeball. And also the other thing is when you've got kids throwing them, they're unlikely to get it to throw it hard enough to hurt. Yeah, like, and because the balls themselves are so light, it's actually kind of hard to get that much power behind mm-hmm. them anyway. Like the most you're gonna do is it's gonna kind of sting a bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if it hits, like, bare skin at close range. The only issue that I could think of that was, like, a concern when we used to play dodgeball at school 
was like if kids had glasses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because then if it knocked them off, it could break them. And that was like. Yeah, exactly. And that's like more of a safety issue. Another, another American thing, like PE uniforms like that. Maybe it's because American high schools don't normally have uniforms. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Like, it makes sense that they would have something that's mandated for PE if they're not in, like, a normal uniform through the day. Whereas, like, all schools here basically have a yeah. uniform. Like, some don't, but very few. But, yes, no, the gym shorts Dean is wildly gift. Uh, and I think it's that there's that post on Tumblr that goes around that's like, let's make this the most reblogged image on Tumblr, Tumblr or whatever. Or, yeah, 2012, those with the days. <laughs> I have not known peace since. <laughs> that is a particularly iconic gift set. I also find it fucking hilarious. They're, they're like, oh yeah, let's go undercover at the schools. Sam's like, Sam is revealed as the janitor. I'm like, wow, this is a fantastic choice. Like nobody notices the janitor. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and it's pretty easy to be, pretend to be a janitor because no one knows who they are. You get immediate access to everyone Every, in the building. You get given keys. Like, yeah. no one's going to think it's weird if you're there after hours. Like, yeah. And then Dean's like the gym teacher. I'm like, surely they couldn't fake the qualifications for Dean to be a gym teacher. I mean, obviously, plot, 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 convenience, convenience, convenience. The writers just thought it would be funny to put Dean's and Ackles in gym shorts. And have him say, the whistle makes me their god. Yes. yes. Which, iconic line. Yes. Fantastic. But, from a practicality standpoint... It's a it, terrible cover. It's a terrible cover. He actually has to lesson plan and shit now. Yeah. Like, Even if his lesson plan is just play dodgeball. He physically has to be with those classes... All the time. For the, that period of time or whatever. Like, whatever class he's meant to be teaching, he's got to be with them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, teachers get free... like Periods or whatever. Free periods or whatever. But it's like, for say, like, three quarters of the day, Dean's got to be watching children. Yeah. Like, how is that a practical solution... For working out what the fuck is happening at this high school. like Yeah, it's it not. Just... It would have made more sense to have him working in the canteen. Like, mm. that would have made sense. You know what I think would have been fucking hilarious? What? Is if he come in as, like, the receptionist. Actual. And we know he would ace that because he, that's he's fucking would thrive in that, like, team environment of an office. But it, it would also make a lot of sense because then he gets access to all, all of the their records. Yeah. Records and databases and stuff. Yeah, that actually would have been perfect. I wish they had done that. Yes, we wouldn't have got the gym shorts and the whistle makes me that god. But we could have had a variation of it where it's like, I don't know, the red pen makes me their god or yeah. like... The like, intercom makes me. The their intercom, god. yes, yeah, perfect, amazing, or like, and it even has like this the symbolic nature of like God speaking from above. <laughs> yes, no, I think that that would have been like such a better choice, practically just, and also plot wise. Like yeah. it just is fun. I just I don't understand a how they managed to get him to be the like the sub gym teacher, mm-hmm. and b how it was a smart move considering. That the gym teacher has responsibilities to look after children. Yeah. I think, honestly, there's a lot of inherent flaws in the logic of this episode. For example, when Sam and Dean pull guns in front of a busload full of students like, and fully shoot the bus driver, they we know as the audience that it's probably salt browns because they're, it's a ghost that they're dealing yeah. with. The people on the bus don't fucking know that. All they know is that these two dudes, one who's theoretically the PE teacher, have just got their bus driver and shot them, like, just out on the fucking ground. I don't... It's just... It's an insane choice. I... I don't know. But I do want to just quickly touch on Sam saying, I'm not evil, when he was talking to Dirk, 
possessing whichever character it was at the time. And I just think that that's interesting. That's a very big change of heart for Sam, who's constantly through the series being like, I'm a freak. I'm evil. I, you might have to kill me, Dean. Like, it seems interesting that all of a sudden he's like, well, you know, I'm going to very staunchly be like, I'm not evil. I'm not a bad person. Yeah, that is very, because like, yeah, previously it's been like, he, anyone's even slightly mirrored his storyline. He's like, I'm evil. Yeah. I'm even almost like, going to kill me. Like, yeah, exactly. But in this instance, where like the character that he's new growing up and stuff, you know, was a dick and is causing all of these deaths and that, he's like, actually, I am a good person. And so we're like, you know, you you could be too kind of thing. It's just a bizarre twist because I'm not mad about it. I like that Sam's found some, you know, self-confidence, but also it's just a complete 180 on like what we've had of for Sam up until this point. Like, I think it's just, yeah, I think that's another thing. And it's just like, there are just a, a, a whole... Some weird inconsistencies. Yeah, it just, like, it, it almost feels like they haven't watched their own show. Mm. Like, it feels like they've just read the plot summaries. It looks like they looked at the Wikipedia very yeah. briefly. Yeah. And then they wrote an episode of the show. And I think that's, like, part of, like, how they've missed some of the nuance in Dean's character. They're yeah. like, oh, he's just, like, a uh, flirt with anything that moves, like, snarky kid who doesn't understand anything because he's too young. And I'm like, no, 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 like, at this point... Dean definitely is like has a way too mature like point of view for his age and very much understands what's going on and like the fact that what John is doing is not okay and like though we do get the moment where the look on sorry I just think of her as Caroline her name's like Amanda yeah yeah so Caroline's basically like looking at Dean like should I fucking call CPS right now mm-hmm at this point, we're realizing this is going to be an incredibly long episode. So if you haven't already, maybe grab yourself like a cup of tea. A blanket. A blanket. Get yourself comfy. In. I imagine we're probably going to have like 40 minutes to an hour left because at <laughs> this point, like we're realizing there is too much bullshit in this episode for us to talk about in under like an hour and a half. So get cozy, get comfy. We're already hitting the hour mark now in our actual recording. We'll cut some of that out, obviously. You don't have to deal with all of it. But, like, there's probably a while left to go. So if you haven't already, make sure Treat this as your intermission. Go get hydrated. Grab a snack. Do that now. Like, I've still got at least 16 different points that I want to make, and all of them are pretty substantial. So get ready for that, I guess. Anyway, let's... So let's talk about Dean and Amanda in the closet. Which... (laughs) I just think it's funny that he keeps ending up in closets. <laughs> um, no, so I, I don't know, like, I, I think it's a disservice to his character yeah. to show him as someone who, like, is a cheater. Mm. That is out of character. I understand that, like, it was their way of showing that he's, like, severely uncomfortable being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the Dean that is a cheater on Amanda is not good enough for Cassie. Yeah. Inconsistency. It feels like the writers were like, okay, so who is Dean? All right. Dean is snarky. Mm-hmm. Dean is... Flirty. Flirty. And Dean is horny. Like, that's like... Yeah. And Dean is protective of Sam. There are his four character traits. Mm-hmm. Go. It's like, it, it completely misses the nuance of like... And the, the layers. F- the flirtiness, the snarkiness, all of that is because he's built them up over the years to protect himself. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's sort of like, it doesn't make sense... To see him as like a 16, 17 year old acting like he is as an almost 30 year old. It's like at 16, 17, he wouldn't be like that yet. Yeah. Like, yes, he would be starting to be like that. But it's like, 
I don't, it just feels very much like they were like, oh, so we're going to make 17-year-old Dean exactly who we think, like, 28-year-old Dean is. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't work for a variety of reasons. And one of the, like, significant things is he just feels far too old for 17. And, like, don't get me wrong, Dean's always going to be a character that feels older than he is yeah. based on life experience. his life experiences. But it's just, he just feels like, He's older in the wrong ways, like yeah. if that makes sense. Like he's not older in the sense of like he's more emotionally mature because he's had to raise Sam. He's not older in that he's already quite jaded because he's never stayed in a single school for longer than like a month. If anything, what I think would have made more sense for this Dean is I would have expected him to be angrier. I don't know how to put my – I really don't know how to eloquently put – how I feel about Dean in this episode because it's so difficult to like pinpoint. And even within the episode, it's not consistent. Yeah. It's the other really difficult thing. So it's really frustrating to watch it because you're like, this is not who Dean is. And even Dean when he was younger, this is not who I expect Dean to be. No. Like this, it, it feels like a weird detour. Any relationships that we see Dean form, like romantic relationships and stuff, and actually just Dean as a character – is loyal to yeah. a fault actually it is one of the most major character traits he has yeah like you see it in every relationship he has he is loyal to a fucking fault so to see him not be loyal yeah is weird it's jarring it doesn't make sense he's a caring person mm. he is exactly who amanda thinks he is so it's weird that he's not if that makes like yeah like her monologue like her monologue of i see how you are with sam i didn't think you were this person i guess i was wrong but she's she's not wrong she's right so and it doesn't make sense because it doesn't feel like they're playing it as oh this is just his mask because he doesn't know how Mm. to be a normal human being in this sort of situation it doesn't feel like that it feels like oh no at his core he's a womanizer therefore yeah yeah. He would start a relationship with one girl and cheat on her anyway. Like, Dean would have never been in a relationship with just Amanda. Like, either he's going to be in a relationship with just Amanda and he's not going to cheat on her, mm-hmm. or he would have never gotten into a relationship with just Amanda. Yeah, exactly. Never, like, been, like, kind of exclusive, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Which it's very obvious that they are because they they have, like, plans to go on a date. Yeah, like, and he, he literally she wants her on a date. Like, and she, she wants, wants to him- introduce him to her parents. Yeah. And, like... I also want to talk about the choice of movie that Dean suggests. Yeah. What the fuck kind of choice is I Spit on Your Grave? Do you know what the movie I Spit on Your I, Grave is do about? You know what? I meant to look it up before we started recording and I didn't. So, know. I Spit on Your Grave is a revenge movie. Oh. The plot of that the movie. That makes sense given the title. Is a woman is raped and left for dead and she goes back and kills all of her, like, all of the rapists. Oh, kind of like um, Rosalie Twilight. Yes. Okay. Okay. Weird choice for a date. Yes. Interesting choice for Dean. Dean. Yes. Can you hear the like sounds as Bethany processes that in her brain? The, the Have you seriously been in this fandom for like a decade and never thought, huh, I wonder what movie they were going to see? No, I always just thought it was a weird fucking title. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone talk about this. Otherwise, I would have known. I was like... What sort of movie is that? Like, I just thought it was, I just assumed it would be some kind of weird, like, thriller. Like, I spit yeah. on your, it sounds like some kind of weird, like, genre horror. I don't know. It seems like. We're going to do a deep dive right now. 
We've As I said, buckle in, folks. Okay. So, you obviously haven't seen, like, the rest of the show. But, but... I have seen Dead Man's Blood, in which it's pretty heavily implied that John had been using Dean as sort of sexualized bait. This is... From a young age. Okay. So, we've kind of, like, lightly talked about this before, but given what you've just told me about, like, what that movie's about, we're, I think we're actually going to do, like, a deep dive right now. So, buckle in, folks. This is going to get a bit intense. If... You have any sort of like trigger to do with like sexual violence or prostitution, any of that kind of stuff. We will pop some times in the episode description below. And now is the opportunity for you to check that before we keep talking. Uh, Because obviously like this is a heavy topic. Some people are not going to want to hear about it on the funny, lighthearted, supernatural podcast. Disclaimer out the way. Disclaimer out the way. Essentially the concept of Dean and sex work. And sexual violence. And sexual violence is a long discussion. We also have the reference that I've already seen in which Dean describes what it's like to be roofied. Yes. I would, normally I'd say we don't have time to unpack all that, but we've we're decided today, time. fuck it. Like, we're, we're going to make time to unpack all yeah. that. If I'm thinking about Dean and sex, particularly in his younger years, the way that it is heavily implied in aspects of canon including some cutscenes. so a lot of people like will think of canon as different things so whether or not something from a behind the scenes is counted as canon whether something that was written but never shot is canon for the purposes of this i think we'll discuss anything that was in the actual show mm-hmm. as canon anything released through official channels or by official like the actors or the yeah. writers or the directors as canon adjacent. Yes. So stuff like John Winchester's journal falls into this category, like deleted scenes fall into this character. Jensen's opinions fall into this category. category. We'll be looking at both canon and canon adjacent, and we will sort of try and cross-reference some stuff. For the purpose of the discussion, this episode, we get the context that John has left Sam and Dean alone in a motel room for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Two weeks at least. At least. It ends That's up if being, everything goes smoothly. And, you know, John's not held up. And yeah. then we find out that it ends up being at least a month that they're at this motel by themselves. Now, we already know from episodes like Something Wicked that this has been going on for a long time. These kids have been being left alone for ages. We get in A Very Supernatural Christmas that Dean is already committing, like, petty theft basically to keep sam happy to like make sure sam is comfortable and like things are as and also to keep sam like fed fed. and stuff from what i can tell john doesn't necessarily always leave them enough food to feed themselves because we get that confirmed in something wicked i am going to give you a very minor spoiler it's not like plot relevant but it is important for this discussion that dean gets caught shoplifting food to feed sam yes i have seen that okay already so So, you're not spoiling anything i already knew that okay wonderful that is a later like that's like seasons away still that we get that context but it is definitely canonically established that dean is committing petty theft to simply feed himself and sam especially considering even in this episode it's established that john was meant to be gone for two three weeks tops it ended up being over a month that he was gone so like if he had only planned enough food and money for two to three weeks Mm -hmm. that food money is running out by week four and this absolutely no matter how strategic dean is about feeding sam and not himself exactly going back to the time period as well like nowadays 
we could just bank transfer money if necessary. Hmm. That wasn't possible in this time period. And he wasn't going to be mailing them cash. So Dean is going to either have to, because he's not going to let Sam do it, steal stuff outright, or he's going to have to do something to get money to then buy things. And also, actually, they have to pay for the motel. Because if John John is not going to pay in advance for a month's worth of the motel, if he's only expecting to be gone for two weeks. So I would say he would have paid in advance for two weeks. Two weeks. And left Dean the cash for another for, week or two. Yeah. But also that's the same cash that he's left for food. Yeah, exactly. And so that puts Dean in a position where he now has to budget that so he can't buy more food than he maybe needs in case he needs to pay more for the motel. And to be fair, even if John had budgeted for an extra week or two at the motel, what if it blew out to six weeks, yeah. eight weeks? Like there is no way that he could leave enough money for that situation because they wouldn't have had. But also the other thing is situation. we know John's arrogant enough that John has no contingency plan for what if he dies. Yeah, at all. Like I, I assume that the contingency would just be call Bobby. Or call Pastor Jim or Caleb or like one what of What gets me though is if call Bobby or Pastor Jim or Caleb is the contingency. Why aren't they just staying with them already? Why isn't it plan A? Why don't Sam and Dean stay with Bobby who has a permanent address say nine months of the year yeah. and they accompany John out for hunts on weekends or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. And then if John disappears on a hunt, they are with Bobby. And then over the summer or whatever, they can go out hunting with John for as long as John wants them to, whatever. But why are they not staying with Bobby? I think that comes down to John and Bobby having a falling out because I can imagine that... Because John's a terrible parent and Bobby wouldn't have approved and would have said, I don't approve of your parenting choices. And Bobby would have called him on his shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that John would have kept Sam and Dean from Bobby. In like because we've talked a lot about John's power dynamic and wanting to keep the boys under his thumb and how he isolates them so much and I think this would have been another compounding factor of that. I think that he would have not wanted Bobby to, in his mind, corrupt his children by showing them like an option for their lives that wasn't just getting revenge for Mary. Do you ever think about the guilt Bobby must feel for... Standing up to John and therefore watching the way the boys were raised because he couldn't help. Because if he said something to John and then him and John had a falling out, he knows that he can no longer help the boys. Like, you can't tell me that Bobby as a character wouldn't feel guilty for for not being able to help Sam and Dean more because of his difference of opinion with John. You cannot tell me that there is not at least a little bit of guilt there for the way Sam and Dean were raised when Bobby knows that he could have helped and maybe if he just kept his mouth shut. Then it maybe would have been better because he would have at least still had access to the kids yeah. to be that influence. Yeah. We will find out more about Bobby and his influence in their lives and also his own opinions of them and also actually his opinions of like kids in general yeah. as we go through. And I'm not going to touch on it now because we already have so much to cover. I do really want to get back to Dean because I, I, I'm I worried that we're going to really get off track. So I am going to give you a little bit more context that you wouldn't get for a few more seasons, but it's not spoiler heavy. So I think it's fine and it's important for this conversation. We've already established that in this episode, Dean is supposed to be like 17, 18, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's right at the end of school. Last year or two. Remember like how flirty Dean is and like how flippantly he's treating 
the like making out with these girls in the covers and whatever. We find out from a future episode, his very first kiss, he was 16. So that is only 12 to 18 months ago. And that time period was when he was first arrested for stealing. So his first sexual experience perfectly correlates with his first arrest. And then he's not, he can't afford to get caught for stealing again, which means he has to not steal, which means he has to pay for things, which means he has to find a way to get money. I have seen the, like, I think Jensen has made like a, not necessarily like a joke and not necessarily like he hasn't said it outright, but he is heavily implied that in his brain, Dean was turning tricks. That's the phrase that he used. Yes, turning tricks, which the implication of is that he was exchanging sexual favours for money. And this actually kind of gets corroborated later in the series by a deleted scene, which we've actually already briefly talked about. You already know about this one. Is there one, and is, is it the one that, like, he's, like, flirting with truckers or something? Yeah. So the plot of the episode that that was removed from was that the monster of the week is basically getting its victims by seducing truckers, basically, like, seducing their way into the truck and, like, acting like they're, like, a hitchhiker. Like the lady in white. Similar, yes. But, like, more sexual, like, more overtly sexual than the yes, lady Yes, like, in it, white. Is, it is explicitly, so it is a young male or young male presenting monster and older male truckers, the young male presenting monster flirts their way into the cabin by explicitly offering sexual favours in like exchange for, in exchange like a for travel. And the conversation from the deleted scene is between Dean and Cass. And basically Dean says, oh, like that's like the oldest trick in the book. Dad used to make me, that I, that used to be my role, essentially. Yeah. Which is basically what it, they alluded to in Dead Man's Blood. Yes. But less explicitly. They yes. just like It was sort of in the framing of Dead Man's Blood. Yeah. This is something that was actually scripted and canonically acknowledged. Like Dean's role in the hunt used to be the sexualized bait. Yes. And what is interesting in the context of that episode in particular, if we're looking at a broader spectrum of Dean's sexuality, is that it's specifically a young man and an older man. That is its own its own whole conversation. But the way that those early sexual experience were manipulated and weaponized. When we see him in relationships, it is so gentle, I suppose. I, not to also bring like a joke into it, but even in like Chris Angel is a douchebag. Yeah. The scene at the club, Sex it's club. also partially his reaction is he was previously not necessarily the chief. Like he was, yeah. that's not the role he played in those encounters. But if he'd previously been played to be sort of the role that he was getting propositioned for, and like that mirroring again. Yeah. So it's a very interesting, and like especially when we talk about it, for example, like in Croatoan or even in The Benders, when Dean is put in those positions where he feels like he wants to turn the table, he aggressively flirts with the other person to make them uncomfortable. And we have talked about this as like a pattern as well. And so the way that he weaponizes his own sexuality and his own discomfort in his sexuality mm, and like the experiences that he's had, because I think that at this point it is safe to say that, or at least in my interpretation, I would assume that at this point he as a character is most likely 
already or about to begin trading sexual favors for either money or goods and services. It's it's horrible and it's heartbreaking, but it does, I think, explain some of his behaviors and like, yeah, kind of context, I suppose. It's a very, very complicated, ongoing sort of narrative subplot surrounding his character. This entire episode's just like, it just it feels like it doesn't understand. It just feels like it's like just slightly missing, missing the point. point. So it's like it's not so bad that you're like, oh yeah, no, this is completely wrong. But it's just like slightly to the, the left. So you're like, am I going insane, or is this kind of just like really disrespectful to all the work all the other writers have done on this show? It's yeah. sort of like in a storyline where they try to put so much nuance into the plot line with the bullying. And, you know, Dirk had a lot of things going on at home and it wasn't necessarily, like, he wasn't just a bully for being a bully. Like, he, he was a bully because he was bullied and he also had a lot of things going For all of the nuance they try to give that storyline, it feels like they just took all nuance from, like, Sam and Dean to compensate. Like, Yeah, it kind of feels like, you know, in these kind of episodes, we usually bag it a little bit for really obvious mirrors. Yeah. This, it's almost like you go back and you... You don't really learn anything from the flashbacks that we don't already know. And if anything, it, like, contradicts stuff that we feel like we already know. It almost feels like if they had taken home and made that a flashback episode, but instead of actually showing us anything new, they just... Showed us the very start of the pilot again. Yeah. And it's even, like, in lines, like, Dean has this line that I hate when they realise that it's, like, the connection is the bus, not the school. Mm. He says... Martha Dump Truck, Revenge of the Nerds, and Hello Kitty as descriptors for the kids who were possessed. And I hate it. I hate it because it, first of all, it feels it feels out of character to be so overtly rude and actually racist in, in the case of the Hello Kitty comment. It doesn't feel right. Like, obviously the comment is not correct, but also it doesn't feel like it, it makes sense for Dean to have said it. He'll poke fun at people and, like, it's not the first time he's made an inappropriate comment, obviously. For me, it feels like the writers are like, oh, but he's making a reference. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's pop culture. But, like, so it, therefore it's Dean. It's like, but... But it's also, he's, it's not just that he's making these comments. He's making these comments about children. Hmm. And Dean has been shown consistently to have really good connections with kids and the younger victims of the week because of that huge, like maternal paternal instinct that he has that extends from him parenting sam like we always see dean connecting with the kids so it feels even weirder somehow not that he's first of all giving them these stupid identifiers but second of all because they're kids and like you said earlier like dean's character is not one who would be looking at a 17 year old girl and being like dang pity i can't fuck her like his instinct would be to look at this girl and be like i need to protect this child, you know, and so it's the child parent like complex, complex, and like, we have been talking about this literally since episode one, and it's it's weird that they would just throw that away. Like we all know that Dean is my bulbo at this point, yeah, and I think that's why this episode just doesn't sit right with me because this does not feel like my bulbo. There is so much nuance normally to Dean and the way he uses his bravado as a mask to hide, and the way he uses his references as yeah. well. Like, that's a, a nuanced thing a lot of the time. Yeah, it's not. He's not just putting in references for the sake of it. He's doing it as a shield. And so it's really weird for him to sort of wield them rather as a sword than a shield. 
in a way that is so hurtful because, of course, you've got Martha Dumptruck, which is a Heather's reference, um, and then you've got Revenge of the Nerds and Hello Kitty, which is just kind of weirdly racist. Yeah. I don't, it just... It's so bizarre to me. And, like, now I'm confused as to why they would have chosen the movie title, like, I Spit on Your Grave. Now I'm like, because that feels like a very intentional character thing. Yeah. But then you put it in the context of the fact that the rest of this episode just feels so bizarrely off that I'm like, well, maybe they just picked it at random or, like, because of some other, like, because it was, like, a horror movie at the time, like, they just picked that one because it would have been out in that time period. But, like, the context of what the movie is about and the fact that it's Dean's character and, like, the stuff that we were just discussing. And also, it's not like Amanda said, oh, hey, like, I kind of want to see this horror movie. Do you want to come with me? He specifically suggests it. And what's really interesting is that we go from that suggestion into her being like, your parents don't care about you, do they? Don't you miss your dad? Yeah, exactly. That entire conversation where she's like why has no one called cps yeah and dean's like what do you mean my life is great and she's like what are you talking about like they're so inherently flawed i don't know as much as they try to make like dean jaded in the way of like oh why would i care about school we're just moving anyway like it's really weird that he is more he's like he's jaded in that regard but he's not at all jaded in regards to how shitty john is as a parent and i say this is odd because of a very supernatural Christmas. Because in a very supernatural Christmas, we can see he's starting to get jaded with John. Specifically John and his parenting and John and his treatment of Sam. You cannot tell me that a character who was jaded at like what, 12 years old or something, he's in something? Yeah. In, no, something wicked in a very supernatural Christmas. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell me that a character who was four or five years ago already starting to realise that maybe, maybe it is kind of bad that dad's off finding monks monsters instead of i didn't even bother calling for christmas let alone mm-hmm. actually showing up let alone bringing presents yeah and yeah and now you know we've just been talking about the the concept of at this point in the series it's it's a i think personally a fairly valid reading mm-hmm. that dean is potentially performing sex work yeah to keep a roof over him and sam's head and keep food in their bellies yet he's he's talking about how dad's a hero now we can't wait to go and fight monsters and all of this stuff. I also I also really hate the line about like I'm a hero or whatever mm. because I don't think Dean's ever believed that. Nothing that we've got from him thus far has suggested, has suggested that he that ever thought that he was a hero because his self-worth has been so low. And especially cuz from what I can tell, the first major blow to Dean's self self-worth is something wicked is the first time he fails to save Sam from a streaker. That is a massive blow where he begins to doubt himself and his abilities as both a hunter and a father to Sam. And a son to John. And a yeah. son to John because he let Dad down. Mm-hmm. So it it is fascinating to me that their read of this character, it's like how... It did... feels like we have baby Dean, adult Dean, and this intermission Dean that I can't match up. And it'd be fine if this is the only intermission Dean we got. Yeah. But the issue is we have Dean three years before this. Mm -hmm. Then we have Dean three years before that. And neither of those two Deans resemble anything like this Dean. Yeah, and we get a Dean. And then the Dean that we've got now does not resemble this Dean either. And the Dean that we get who is like a year younger than this doesn't either. 
which is why for me it makes me wonder if there was some traumatic events that happened between that year to 18 month yeah. period that would change his opinions and his like outward projection of promiscuity i'd like i don't know how i feel like we're maybe not being very articulate but yeah, i just, just don't know how to verbalize mm. it gives me the ick yeah <laughs> i think the just, long and short it just it gives me the ick and like i could understand someone looking at this episode and being like i don't understand why dean was popular blah 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 that's not the thing that's doing it for me i fully understand how dean is popular yeah do you know what because we see it in hollywood babylon. babylon yeah and we see it in, in false and prison blues. blues yeah i love that we're on the same we have the same brain cell right now dean can fit into any environment that makes perfect sense to me what makes no sense to me is he seemed more jaded as a 12 year old mm-hmm. than he does as a 17 year old yeah. and that for me just doesn't like cognitively there's a disconnect there yeah. like it doesn't make sense for me for dean to have gotten less jaded because i know for a fact that john's parenting didn't improve after that no more shit has happened like and he has had worse experiences we will find out season five about some stuff to do with john's treatment of dean that sam is unaware of and we will get more again in season nine of john's treatment of dean that sam is currently unaware of and the audience is currently unaware of all both of these things occur in order of like sequential before this episode so it's yeah you're right it's bizarre that he seems less jaded about hunting and the nomadic lifestyle and not forming any connections mm-hmm. than he did when he was 12 yeah because that, that's around how old he is in the very supernatural you could argue because obviously like if we look at season one dean like he's very very loyal to john and like all this stuff but he still recognizes that like shit went down this episode just feels... because he's loyal to john doesn't mean that he's not jaded mm-hmm. you said it right at the top of the episode and i'm just returning to it it just doesn't feel like dean like in this episode you have john dropping them off at the school mm-hmm. which dean's pretty well like oh well it's fine we'll only be here for like two, two weeks. weeks tops anyway and sam's going but we've already been at four schools already yeah and also like the other thing about this that like gets me is that dean personally may not really like feel like school is for him or whatever but also his top priority is sam and he should want sam to be getting that education even if he's not worried about himself he should be worried that sam needs friends and sam needs that social and sam needs that structure and a like a proper education so even if he's not worried about himself canon has told us that he should be worried about sam yeah and mad on sam's behalf if nothing else his concern for Sam in this episode feels very surface level. It's almost like he's mad at Sam. Honestly, it's kind of the Johnification of Denny. Like, he feels more like John in this episode. Which is weird because the key point of Dean is that he doesn't feel like John. He feels like a Mary, if anything. <laughs> like, and that's, that's the key issue. He doesn't feel like John. All of John's disappointment in Dean comes from Dean not feeling like John. Dean's yeah. not angry enough for John. Dean's not ruthless enough for John. Dean's not willing to do whatever it fucking takes. Dean is not willing to sacrifice people to kill a quote-unquote monster. Not like the ends do not justify the means for Dean. Hell, look at Juice and Below. Yeah. He refuses to sacrifice Nancy and Ruby, despite the fact they are both willing, willing to sacrifice themselves to make sure that everybody else survives. Yeah, and then how does that come back to him when everyone, like, when Lilith does inevitably kill everyone? That guilt that 
we see when he's confronted by Henriksen's spirit about mm. that and the guilt that he has over Meg and like the guilt that he carries with him for things that he for wrong these things live with him and that is not something that I think John carried in the same way I think yeah like you say I think John saw the the end justified, justified means yeah I whereas think- Dean does not think like that to Dean the means are important look at the way John reacted when they refused to shoot him to kill Azazel yeah and also, like, even in False and Prison Blues, we talked a lot about Dean's fighting style, and he always fights to incapacitate. Yeah. He will only go for the, like, kill or whatever if he has to. It feels like this Dean is John. He certainly feels like he is glorifying the lifestyle, mm-hmm. which we do get from young Dean in, like, the sort of first season-ish, but in a very different way. Like, we get him glorifying it in a way that's like if i don't laugh i'll cry yeah this feels different and my issue is 12 year old dean was already out if i don't laugh i'll cry yes whereas this dean just feels like he's so excited to go into the family business like it feels like a weird reversion yeah like it feels like he was somehow more emotionally mature at 12 12 he feels more childlike here and then you've got the weird disconnect of he's getting played by like a 25 year old and it just, he feels weirdly empty. He mm. feels like a shell. Like, he feels like a, a caricature, actually, almost. It feels like if you just put the mask there instead of the actual character. Yeah, it's almost like you, normally with Dean, you lift up the mask and you find, like, this multifaceted, layered, like a 20-sided die, you yeah. know? With this character, it feels like you lift up the mask and you find an empty box. It feels like you're just getting his bravado, but there is nothing underneath it. And then it doesn't help that you have a character who literally says that. She thought it was all just bravado, but underneath he was someone who was worth it. But then she's like, but you weren't worth it. You were just the bravado, which we know isn't true. Like we know that they've pointed it out time and time again in canon that Dean is more than his bravado, that Dean is not who he presents himself as. And in fact, like, so much of the character analysis that not only we have done on Dean, but also like so many hundreds of thousands of other people across the 15 seasons of this show have done on Dean centers in the fact that he is not who he presents. The projection of Dean Winchester repression boy is such a a key concept of who he is fundamentally. It's like, and to sort of remove that from him is just, first of all, a, an incredible disservice, as you said before, to like the writers who came before, but also to Jensen's performance and to the intricacies that he brings to the role. Okay, so we do need to talk about Sam and his relationship to the teacher. Mr. Wyatt? Yeah. Mr. Wyatt is a babe. I love him. <laughs> yeah. This is the first time, yeah, we see Sam starting to question. I think that one also doesn't help the whole Dean situation, that we've already got Sam, it's like a 12-year-old, showing more emotional maturity than Dean, which we know is not the case because Dean Dean has raised raised Sam. So there is no reason for Sam to be more emotionally mature than Dean. And so we get Sam starting to question whether he wants to go into the family business, business. as it were. What's interesting is that Mr. Wyatt sort of says, well, do you want to go into the family business? And Sam makes the point that no one has ever asked him that before. It has just always been an assumed role for him. And I think that really feeds into a lot of the discussion that we've had about Sam and his ongoing difficulties with autonomy, the assumed role that Sam will fill. And also at this point, I do wonder if 
John is already suspecting something is up with Sam. I know that in John's journal, KJ has told us that John is kind of already noting weird stuff going on around and with Sam. Mm. So that sort of assumption that may be being made around him on his sort of behalf, on his person, is already sort of present as well. And obviously he's already with the word freak, which is going to stay, like I said when I first pointed it out, so fucking relevant. Actually, I didn't realise how relevant when I first pointed it out. But now that I'm looking for it specifically, I'm like, oh, damn, they really went hard with this. And, like, this episode is, like, they call him freak, like, two dozen goddamn times. Typically, the usage is, like, really subtle and it's like, well, if you're looking for it, you can spot it and it's really interesting to track just how often it is said in relation to him. But it's not, it's not, like, two dozen times an episode. It's, like... Once every three or four episodes, he just casually gets called by a, fr- a freak. Or refers a, to himself. Or refers yeah. to himself as a freak, or like something freaky is happening with him. His freaky abilities, or yeah. Like, you know, so it's sort of like, it's really subtle, and it's like, it's it's a whole bunch of different people who say it. And like this episode, they were like, it's almost like they missed the entire point of the parallels and of the point they were making. Mm. It's like the entire point is that Everyone in his life calls him a freak, whether they realize that is significant or not. And this episode, they were like, what if we just made all of the kids bully him by calling him a freak? I like the scene where he refers to himself and says, I don't want to be the freak for once. Uh Uh-huh. And in my brain, I was screaming. I was like, wow, yeah, look, he's already weaponized it against himself. Like, this is phenomenal. Yeah. And then it's like, it, it loses all impact because then... Over the course of the episode, we get it just happening. two dozen other instances of him getting called freak. So it sort of removes all the significance from him calling himself a freak. If he wasn't actually called a freak by the kids, if that was all something that he'd imagined in his head, mm-hmm. imagine the significance. Yeah. Imagine how important that would be, that it's the first time we hear someone, like, canonically refer to him as a freak. And it's himself. And it's himself. Yeah. Imagine. But, like, they just... Yeah. And then the tie-in with, like, he drops the knife when he goes into the class. Yeah. And it perfectly, beautifully ties to Joe's description of her life when she tried to go to school, which was, I was the freak with the knife collection. And it, like, perfectly mirrors Sam here. And the duality of Sam and Joe, where Joe desperately wanted to fit in with the people who had the knife collection and Sam wanted to distance himself and he wanted to be at school. But then again, at the end of the episode, we have that flip where Sam is like, I'm not evil. Yeah. And like, quite honestly, it doesn't feel earned because he's already referred to himself as a freak. Yeah, but it also feels weird to place that line at this point in the series where arguably Sam is doing the most morally complicated stuff. We still don't fully know the extent of like what's going on with like ruby and stuff like all we we've seen all we know is that the angels are not happy with it and like they are not yeah exactly like the only sort of thing that we've we've gotten is that ruby is trying to get him to do something and sam's like i'm not going to do that anymore so we assume that something was going on that sam has taken a step back from ruby's trying to get him back into doing it and the angels don't like any of it at all yeah, and it just it doesn't feel right. It just feels it feels like fan fiction is what it feels like. There is there are some parts of it, like we said before, there are some parts of it where I'm like, yes, I think this adds to the character, I think this adds to the story and the overall blah blah blah. But yeah, some of it just feels like OOC. Yeah. It feels like 
fan fiction. It feels like somebody's like, oh, wow, I like Dean because he's cool and he fucks everybody. So let's make, an, like, let's go back in time and revisit his high school days where he's... He was cool and he fucked he everybody. Was cool <laughs> and he was fucking the hottest girl in school and, like, Sam can deal with a bully and, like, just, it feels like they're fundamentally misunderstanding the characters. The characters. And it's less severe for Sam, I would say. Yeah. Dean feels wildly off base. But Dean just feels like, like, occasionally he gets kind of close and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Like, the way he sort of, like, immediately fits in. Mm-hmm. I can see that. With Dean, in the other scenarios where we have seen him in those social situations where he does flourish, like in False and Prison Blues, like in Hollywood Babylon, yeah. he surrounds himself with a community. In yeah. this episode, we literally only see him interact with Sam or one of the two girls that he's making out with. He doesn't make any other friends. No. Which is so out of character. And it's like implied that he does in the way that Sam says, oh, wow. Like, not Not Sam. Barry says to Sam, oh, wow, your brother's so cool. Like, he's hanging out with... But even then, it's only because he's hanging out with Amanda. Amanda. It's nothing to do with anyone else. Mm. Like, if anything, it would have made sense for Dean to find a community within, like, a club or something. You know what? Dean really needs to experience the epic highs and lows of, of high school, school football. football. Here's <laughs> the thing. We we do get context about Dean and, and high school level sports teams at a later day, and he excelled in it. Not shockingly. It would have made so much sense for him to join some kind of club, even if he thought he was only going to be there a couple of weeks. He thought he was only going to be in the prison like five days, and he still made a community there. Hollywood Babylon, they were literally only there for the duration of the case, which again, they only thought was going to be a few days. And he still managed to form that community. I don't see why it would be any different when he was younger and in such desperate need for socialization. It wouldn't have even been hard to show. All they needed to do was show, like in one of the scenes with Sam and Barry, show Dean walking down the hallway with like three or four people around him talking to him. They could have even paralleled a difference like Sam feeling isolated from Dean in that scenario. Yeah. Like they could have done Sam feeling like an outsider because Dean is like, you know, it's off fine, with his you just friends, make friends or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And like Sam's like, well, I don't just make friends. Like, yeah. And so you could have you could have had Sam hiding away in the library contrasted with Dean trying to get him to be like, "Hey Sam, like come and, like, interact. Like, there, there's a soccer team. Like, yeah. why don't you join the soccer team? And Sam being like, oh, no, like, I would rather just study. Like, we could have had that and it would have felt in character. It's just, he's it's weird because he he only forms this one significant relationship. It's purely about sex because he shows that he's not interested in, like, an emotional connection with her in the way that he cheats on her, in the way that he's not interested in meeting her family, in the way that... He's not willing to change his idea of what their date should be to suit her curfew. Like, it's clearly not about actually enjoying her as a person. It's just about physical stuff, which, again, is not in character for Dean. Everything about this particular portrayal of the character feels off and feels wrong. You're smiling at me. Am I in danger? You know that, like, ha ha. I'm in danger. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> it's, it's an angsty thought. Okay, hit me with that's it. Why, that's why I was like... Hit me with it. What if the entire time Barry was possessed by a demon who's like trying to push and prod 
Sam where they want him to be for like the Demon Hunger Games and stuff already early on at this point. So if Barry's not Barry and that's why he's like cool when he sees the knife and that because he's trying to like encourage that encourage that in Sam and then encourage Sam to take on Dirk to then then when Barry kills himself at 18 I don't think he was 18 Dirk dies when he was older Barry only died a year after this takes place and that would make a lot of sense if he was possessed then he remembered all of it yeah or if the demon like if it wasn't Barry yeah, this ep- it's it's funny because the episode itself presents as like quite kind of like a light-hearted, almost yeah. filler episode like, for the most part. Look at them in high school. But like when you actually start to think about it and talk about it and dissect it, it's really hard to make fun of it. Like normally, if you've listened to this point in our podcast, you know that usually we're just sort of tearing it to shreds in like a fun way. We're like, haha, look at this silly thing. And like we have more serious conversations, but but this episode, it's just it's so hard. It's almost hard to take it seriously as canon. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like an episode of Supernatural because it the characters feel out of character. And normally, I'm like, fantastic. This episode of Supernatural didn't feel like Supernatural. <laughs> but this episode, it just... It gives me the ick. I don't know how else to put it other than it gives me the ick. Like, something about it, all of the stuff that we've talked about with Dean just not feeling right, the weird feel bad for the victim who was also the antagonist... Like, and then chuck that in with, like, the John of it all. And it just, the concept, like you said before, really strong. Like, let's do a flashback episode. We get to see them in the school. Like, that's a really good, strong We can concept. get to see the impacts that moving around so often had and, like, how John's parenting has impacted, like, their education. Also, let's throw in a teacher that's going to make Sam question whether he really wants to go into monster hunting. Yeah, like, I love all of those aspects. Like, when you say it like that, it sounds great. But then you see it play out on screen and you're just like, something's not adding up. It feels wrong. It feels weird. And then at the end of the episode, we have Sam going back and talking to the teacher. And he has to kind of tell the teacher, look, you gave me fantastic advice, but I couldn't. But I kind of ignored it. (laughs) I I tried to take it and it didn't work out. Like, I am not happy because that is the answer to the teacher's final question. Like, are you happy? Sam is not even slightly happy. Sam is in perhaps the worst mental state He's ever been, the only time that I think we'll probably top it is the four months where Dean was dead. That and like obviously the mystery spot period yeah. with the trickster, but also when Jess first died and he yeah. was just so angry and volatile all the time. Like I think that, yeah, this probably comes up under like top five worst mental states for Sam. But also it brings me back to my point that I was making way earlier, which was what the fuck is the moral I'm supposed to take from this episode? It's a depressing clusterfuck. It really is. It's so funny because I went into this discussion thinking like it was going to be a fun discussion like normal. But as soon as we started talking about it, I was like, oh, this is not going to be a fun, silly discussion. As soon as you think about it for more than 10 seconds, that funny veneer just completely falls away and you are just left with this complicated, messy, depressive bullshit. Remember how I said this was written by Andrew Dark? Based on the Andrew Darb long con to the Sarah Gamble long con, I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy 6 to 7, more <laughs> than 10 to 15. It's really hard to have a very lighthearted, ha-ha funny conversation about it because of the nature of the topics that you end up talking about. There is no jovial way to discuss teenage prostitution. Like, no. There's no, there's no joke there. There's no jokey way to talk about 
like child abandonment in any depth. There's really nothing here to pick apart in any depth in a fun way, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's surprising actually for me. Cause like, you know, usually we go into these episodes and we're like, haha, jokey, jokey. And it's just this one. It's adding to the fact that it all feels so out of character and out of place. And it's just a weird vibe. It feels like an episode where we should have gotten so much inf- new information about these characters. We should have learned, like, it should have been like such a fun place to be able to like, poke around in and like look into and like analyze and like should have given us a fun new perspective and like a new snapshot of where these characters were at this age yeah just and don't get me wrong it could have still been tragic but it could have been tragic in the way that dean was walking sam to soccer practice because john was still out on the hunt instead of feeling like a really fun sort of sandbox everything that they gave us just didn't feel like it fit with anything else it, it just, it feels weird to me that, like, the one bit of the episode that I'm like, yes, this was accurate as hell. You are reading him for filth. This is an accurate read on Dean's character. We don't actually see that being Dean's character. You know what I mean? Like, and even like you said before, she is kind of wrong because she's yeah. saying, he I thought there was deeper. more to you. Yeah. I thought you were complex. I thought you had a caring, nurturing side to you. But I was wrong. Clearly, you're just this, like, lonely, broken kid. And it's like, well, he is a lonely kid. And he is, like, emotionally distraught. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have those complexities and those layers. Like, he absolutely does. Yeah. It's one of his complexities and layers that he has the facade and that he is this lonely, broken kid. You can't actually separate the two. But they seem to have. Like, those are two fundamental components. And there's a million other layers in there. Yeah. At his core, Dean is lonely and broken. But he's also the most caring character. That's who he is at his core. And then he has all of these other layers. And then he has this final outer shell. I would have expected at this point in Dean's life for the shell to be under construction. I would have liked to have seen him feel bad about the fact that he was cheating on Amanda. Instead, he was like, oh, I'm going to be done anyway. Why do you I close it off? Yeah, and he's like, oh, she means nothing to me. Like, bullshit. They tried a lot of things in this episode, and unfortunately, most of it didn't work. It feels like we have, like, a, a whole puzzle, and there's, like, one final piece, and it's like, this is the only piece left in the box, but it doesn't fucking fit. I, it doesn't matter which way I turn it, or which way I flip it, or how I fucking rotate it. You've given me a piece to a puzzle that just doesn't fit. Like, you, it looks like it should, but then you try and you try to push it in and it just doesn't fucking fit. That's how this ep- this iteration of Dean feels in the overarching, like, story of his character. In terms of, like, a linear progression of character growth yeah. and development, it doesn't... This feels like an AU. It just feels like they don't understand what makes Dean such a compelling character. It, it's, it's like someone's like, oh, yeah, Dean, what makes him compelling and interesting to watch? Oh, clearly it's because... Magnet, his, his animal magnetism. Yeah. <laughs> clearly it's because, like, you know, he's good with ladies or he's this, that, the other. You know what it feels like? It feels like... You know how I had a real issue with the pilot and that it felt very much like, this is a macho show for manly yes. men? Yeah. It feels like the pilot. It feels Underdeveloped. like... They're like, this is a macho show for manly men, therefore... He's our macho man character. He's our macho man character... Clearly, that's why you keep watching him because he's good with the ladies or whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, the issue is Dean, he's not that person. And like, like, but even, like, in the pilot, Dean felt like he had more underneath. 
Yeah. It just felt like you hadn't cracked through the shell yet. Does that Which make makes sense? sense? Because it's the pilot episode of a mm-hmm. brand new show. Like, you don't fundamentally understand the characters at that point. This just feels like this weird regression. Yeah. Back to pilot Dean for no reason. Like, there is no reason for... If he was going to go back to pilot Dean at any point, it should have been 401. Fundamentally, you don't like the show. Like, I, I get no. it. But it feels like a disservice, not only to the character. And I will admit, I am slightly softening towards the show, but not because of the show. Yeah. I want to make that fucking clear. <laughs> the show is shit, but the fandom is fucking fantastic, and I love yes. each and every member of this goddamn fandom, because, like, some of the most wonderful people I have met have been through this fandom. Yeah. So I was like, I'm softening because... I care so deeply about the people I have met through this fandom yeah. and how much they love the show. So it's a lot harder to be like, Haha, your show is fucking shit when I care about the people who watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also we have some funny motherfuckers. So yeah. <laughs> it's how we cope. But it feels fundamentally disrespectful not only to all the writers who have written Dean thus far, to Jensen's performance of Dean, to the editors involved in, like, choosing, like, which shots and whatever, to every aspect of this show. It feels disrespectful to everything that has gone into it. But it also kind of feels disrespectful to the audience. Do you want to know who I'm really surprised but I feel like it's disrespectful to as well? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as an actor quite a lot. Oh, he's very good. Like He's very good in this show. And as much as I hate John Winchester, he has done a fantastic job at making John a complex mm-hmm. and nuanced character. Despite the fact that John Lankett's statement is a shit father, yeah. he has done a fantastic job to make John complex and nuanced. This episode even removes all nuance from John somehow. Yeah. Like, how the and fuck he's not even in it? To do that? Yeah. Like, yeah. It just, because they have, Dean just blindly idolize him. Yeah, and like, we have him blindly idolised in the early, early seasons. We have that. But it's also, on the inside, we know what he thinks because we have episodes like 310 where he has that whole fucking monologue where he's like, no, my father was an abusive arsehole. He knows this. And as a 12-year-old, like you were saying, he knew this. So where is this fucking disconnect where he's like, I'm a fucking hero. My dad's like fucking... You know, like, he knows on a fundamental level that's wrong. And you could say that that's him projecting and that's him trying to, like, save face or whatever. But it doesn't make any... It doesn't fit. It doesn't feel right. Why would he make it such a sticking point that his father is a goddamn hero when he knew that his father was not a good father at fucking 12? So we've gone from depressed to angry real quick. (laughs) It's been a while since... It's so funny. Like, this, this show, like... I, like I said before, like I get you don't actually like the show, but it is really interesting to hear you be mad about poor characterization. In a sense, because here's the thing: I could see myself liking this show if it wasn't so shit. This is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> this is the this is the crux of Supernatural. <laughs> if they didn't give up every good opportunity they had for an emotional beat, like imagine. Okay, ready? Good Supernatural that lives in James' head time. They make this episode the episode where we meet Cassie. Instead of Amanda, we meet Cassie. Immediately, it's connecting to earlier seasons. Immediately, it's more emotionally devastating because we know what happens with Cassie. Mm -hmm. We know that Dean tells her the truth and that she runs. We make Dean actually Dean. (laughs) Good start. (laughs) And it, it would make sense. 
Cassie was Dean's first, like, actual serious relationship. Mm-hmm. It would make sense. We make them there longer for a month so that they can actually have this development. We just make it so that they're not trying to frame this weird apologism angle for Dirk. And, like, we get it. He's, like, portraying himself as the victim, but he wasn't. And we do not have that weird Dean is cheating on Cassie storyline. Yeah, no. X-nay that. Yeah. X-nay that immediately. Maybe they go out on a date or something and then Dean has to go and deal with a ghost or some shit. Do you know what would have made so much more fucking sense? And would have actually, like, I'm so angry right now because I just realised that this would have made so much more fucking sense if Dean had made a connection with someone and had been cheated on. That would have made so much more sense because that would have been a a way to, like, target the the vulnerability. That would have been a way to see through the facade. That would have been a way that his anger would have made sense. That would have been a way where him defending himself in the way that he did, being like, you don't even know who I am. Who I am. And you could see another layer of the facade go up. Yeah. You could see him putting on more protective armour. If we saw him, like, desperately trying to justify John and what John is doing as both a hunter and a parent to himself and Sam, but we see that he doesn't believe it. But Mm -hmm. the issue is the betrayal of young Dean is so one note. Yeah. It's so one note. It is, he is a ladies' man, he doesn't give a shit, and he idolises John. It's removing all nuance. They have given Dean as a child up till now. Yeah. Like, it is, if they show him actually doing some of the domestic fatherly things that we know packing sam's lunch that we know dean has been doing for fucking years because john hasn't been fucking doing it and then that further solidifies the pressure that john has put on dean from a young age to care for sam Mm -hmm. like and this is why i don't like supernatural (laughs) because every time they get given or they like create themselves an opportunity to make an emotional beat they just fucking drop it in favour of, like, a sex stroke. It is incredibly frustrating to me as a viewer mm-hmm. to watch because it makes me mad. I think, yeah, it's, it's the potential. And that is not the emotional reaction they are aiming to elicit from their audience. Yeah, I think the thing that gets me and the reason that I stayed with this show the whole way through is because I love the characters. I, like, I love, I love Dean. I love Sam. Like, I am so emotionally invested in the characters. Forget the plot. Fuck that. But, like, just the 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 actual characters themselves, particularly Dean. Dean's my Bobo. We've been here. We know this. That's why this episode, like, pisses me off so much because I'm like, it feels like such a disservice to such a beautifully complicated, nuanced character that we've seen such development in over these last three and a half seasons. And then you get this episode and it's just like a fucking frying pan to the face because it yeah it's just you just lose it it lacks subtlety it lacks nuance it just it's a very cut and dry episode when every other episode we've ever gotten regarding their childhood has been very detailed and nuanced yeah and like to the point where we've all we've you know you said before like oh it's like a bit heavy-handed yeah but i was like i never thought that i'd miss the fucking heavy-handed like (laughs) Yeah. Let that sink in for a minute. Like, I would have preferred this episode be heavy-handed on the fact that Dean is Sam's parent. Do you know what I would have liked to see from this time period, right? For a full emotional impact and to, like, better understand the situation that the characters are in, 
right? Because we only see these characters at school in this mm. episode. We don't see them at the motel. So say we have the exact same behavior at the school. Dean is still behaving exactly the same way he did in this episode. But we get a shot where he's at the motel and Sam's gone inside, but Dean is having a talk with the manager of the motel and the manager's like, look, kid, like, you're going to have to pay me up or, like, I have to kick you out. Your, That's your just, prepaid ran out a week ago. Yeah, this is just, like, I have a business to run. It's just the way the cookie crumbles. And then you have to see Dean, like, trying to think of any way to, like, solve it. Or, like, you see him, you know, handing Sam, like, a banana or something and Sam goes, where'd you get this? And Dean, like, just goes, like, wink, five-finger discount kind of thing. And you get that background uh, that nuance and the difficulties that Dean is going through and dealing with while still presenting the facade. But we don't get that complexity. We just get the fucking facade. And because we don't see anything beyond it and because he gets called out and told that he's empty. Yeah. Like, you just, like, you have to fill in those blanks yourself as the viewer, which I normally All we don't need is mind. Like a scene of him, like, trying to work out what to cook for fucking dinner because they've got no food. Yeah. You know what I think would be really fucking emotional? If they had a scene, like that scene with the manager where it's basically like, you've got to pay up. Mm -hmm. And then Dean goes to like the stash of money or whatever that John's left them and there is nothing left. And then the next night you just see him walk into the, like the motel managers or whatever, slap the money down on the counter and then walk away. And then you have to wonder what he did to get the money. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like, there doesn't seem to be any, it's like this episode doesn't realise that, okay, this is who Dean is in front of his peers. Mm-hmm. But, like, we only see one scene that's actually Sam and Dean not in front of other people. And it's literally the very start of the episode and the very end of the episode. Like I was thinking of the scene where they're talking about the bully. Oh, okay. So we, like, so we get a couple. Yeah. But, like, but, but even the scenes at the very start and the very beginning, all the other kids are around. It's the start of school. Like, everyone's – like, they're not truly alone. Like, they're not – it's not the way Dean acts when other people can't see him. Yeah, or I would have really loved to have Sam just be like, hey, what's for dinner? And have Dean have, like, and show, like, remind the audience that, like, they're not just worrying about school. And like, also the fact that they... No wonder Dean doesn't care about school. He has other shit to be doing. And also the fact that John drops them off. Like, the scenes that we see outside the school, John's dropping them off and then John's picking them up. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, easy to forget that John's not actually there yeah we get the scene with amanda where she her face clearly says why the fuck is nobody called cps Mm -hmm. this is not fucking normal there are so many things that they could have included in this episode that would have highlighted their reality of their childhood so much more effectively and with so much more depth and nuance and complexity and add layers and instead they filled it with this weird apologism and confusing lack of substance it feels like a waste of 40 minutes you know how with tall tales we talked about how like it's easy to forget what happens in an episode because you get like the things that are memed yeah right it's like we i remember dean in the red shorts because that's the meme yeah that like the whistle makes me their god that's the joke that's the meme and it's a fantastic joke i will give them that it is the highlight of the episode by far yeah that one meme that we got is is the best thing that came out of this episode. We get some great Sam stuff. That conversation he has with the teacher, phenomenal. That's fantastic. I love that. And also the uh, conversation with the teacher at the end of the episode, fantastic way to touch base with where Sam is emotionally now. Yeah. But the issue is, like, we get a little bit of Sam substance, but everything that Dean isn't in and around in this episode, it's just, like, feels so hollow. And even, like, when we 
get the periods of them as adults. Like, it just feels off. I feel like what they should have done is they should have simplified the plot line. The plot. Yeah. They should have been focused on focus. the focus. I know that I don't really like it when they do flashback heavy episodes, but if you're going to do a flashback heavy episode, lean into it. Fucking commit. So they should have done something more like something wicked, mm. where the plot line mirrored what was happening in the flashback. Actually, probably something more like a very supernatural Christmas, where it's like the plot line was simple. It was the simplest song burn. There was no surprise twist at the end. They should have just done it. Barry was the ghost. Kept it that simple. Kept it that simple. And that would have had enough of an emotional impact for Sam. Like, that would have, that is still emotional impactful. Sam was sad enough when he thought it was Barry. Mm-hmm. Like, and the audience is sad enough because we like Barry. We wanted good things for Barry. We wanted Barry to go to vet school. Yeah. You know? And it, it's it's upsetting enough that we have that death at all, let alone that his, he becomes like a spirit that Sam then has to dispose of. That is enough emotional stress for Sam to be under in this episode, especially given the overarching plot of the season and how much stress he's already under. That should have been enough. It gets you to the location of the school. He can still have the, t- uh, the talk with the teacher. Even if they had Dean step in as the PE teacher, we could have had grown Amanda as another teacher at the school. And we could have had that back and forth and have her be like so like what happened to you guys after you left after that like one random month we could have had them catching up for drinks and like reminiscing on the past or whatever we could have had that and it would have worked it would have been such an interesting look into their lives as students as an adult dean being able to look back you know and reflect on his behavior because this is the other thing at no point does dean reflect on his behavior no sam reflects on his but Dean doesn't. I like the fundamental idea of sort of like Dean initially being quite popular and Sam not, and then sort of flipping the script mm-hmm. so that Sam becomes popular, but Dean is less sort of isolated. And so I, I like that idea, but it's just like the way they chose to do it is really fucking weird because instead of like showing Dean and the way he builds a community like lightning fucking quick around himself mm-hmm. and then sort of losing them as he fails to connect to them on an emotional level. Or losing them because they like reject his like lifestyle or something, yeah. which is like obviously a huge trauma thing for him. The way they show Dean losing his community is he gets a girlfriend, they make out in the closet, she can't go on a date because of her curfew, she wants to call CPS on John, and then he cheats on her. How is that? a satisfying parallel storyline to Sam who is the outcast and the freak and then he embraces who he is to become someone who is lauded and celebrated. How is that, though, in this episode, proves what I've been saying all along, Sam is very stabbable. (laughs) Super duper fucking stabbable. Like, the most stabbable. Like, it is so incredible how stabbable this man is. He's got a lot of surface area for people to work with. What does she stab him with, both? Is it like a compass? I have no or idea. Or like a really sharp, like, 2B? Like <laughs> I don't know. But it just proves my point that Dean, not Dean, that Sam is very, Dean, I'm sure Dean is very stabbable too. Mm. Like, let's not leave him out of this. But Sam is very stabbable. Sam like, in particular is stabbable. He's got so much surface area to stab. I don't understand why Lilith needs to use her special magic shit on him. Just stab him. It's fine. Oh god. Anyway, did you did you have anything left? I feel like Absolutely. 
Okay. Oh, my PSA. PSA for the day. Oh, okay. Okay. My PSA, guess, mm-hmm. is that you should refer to your source material. <laughs> so your PSA is not for the characters, but rather for the writer. Yeah. You should refer back to your source material and you should check it. You know what I'd be interested in guess? What Jensen's thoughts on this episode are. I wonder if there is a commentary for this episode. Maybe we should mm. ask KJ because, yeah, I would be fucking fascinated. I would be fascinated to see what his take on this episode is. But no, that wasn't my PSA of the day. My PSA of the day is hitting on women who are barely legal as a 30-something-year-old. It's fucking weird. Just because they're technically legal means jack shit, mate. There's a reason we're cross with Leonardo DiCaprio. Women do not expire at the age of 25. We yeah. are not fucking milk. <laughs> the concept of milk lasts to 25. <laughs> it's 25 milk years. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's, I, I hate that line. Like, I think it's, first of all, disgusting. And second of all, it's, it's fundamental misread of the character. Don't. Please only hit on people who have the capacity to be your emotional equals. Equal. Like, the law is, like, the minimum requirement. You should be doing more. You know what I mean? God, this has been a heavy episode. Okay. okay, so there are a couple of little moments that I do want to just like quickly touch on. Mm-hmm. It's been a long ass episode, but I think these are like the more lighthearted moments. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Let's let's end on a high. Yeah. Obviously, the whistle makes me their god. Iconic. I've previously theorized that Dean is god, so this fits in really nicely. <laughs> I adore the way Sam is immediately like, you are my friend, I'm going to protect you. Oh, yeah, Amazing. Sam and Barry's relationship I think is beautiful. I think it's really wonderful to see Sam have a friend, and I think it's tragic that, obviously, he doesn't get to keep him. I also think it's absolutely hilarious that it, he tells Amanda that he is staying in a motel without his father, and her face immediately says, why the fuck is nobody called CPS yet? Yeah, Amanda is actually excellent. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we need to appreciate her Amanda for a deserves second. better. She yeah. can be added to my, like, my trifecta of ladies. <laughs> I also want to say, how buff is Sam, actually? (laughs) Honestly, it's just getting more and more relevant the more I watch. And just a shout out to the question, all of him? Oh my God, yes. a totally (laughs) fine and normal way to ask someone if you cremated the entirety of your dead son. Do you know what's so funny? As as stupid as that question is, I do think it's almost the most in character Dean is in the entire episode. Because it's that whole thing of like, he can't talk to people. Like, I think... That that mm. moment, that and the the whistle makes me their god. I think yeah. those are the most in character he is the entire episode. But no, those were the like three high points I had of the episode. Yeah, everything else is almost infuriatingly bad. Yeah, and again, like from a from a glance, like casual viewing, nothing wrong with this episode. It's fine. Casual, like, like the first time I watched this episode, like when I was first binging the show. I didn't really have that much of an issue with it. I was like, huh, this one feels weird, but I couldn't pinpoint why. Yeah. But now going back to it with like a way more analysis and like also perspective. Off the back of character analyzing the shit out of these characters for the last four seasons. Yeah. Like we have We got receipts. <laughs> we have over like eighty hours worth of recorded content You're on welcome. these characters. <laughs> like so it's like now it's like not only are you actually taking the time to like watch and reflect, we have watched and reflected upon every other episode of this goddamn show. Yeah, which is why I think it's so entertaining to me that 
you are so angry about this mischaracterization because even though you don't like the show, it is clear that you at least care about the It's like, like not the like not like it's bearable to watch, but episodes <laughs> like this, it's just like, oh yeah, now I remember why I fucking hate this show. Normally it's like, oh, I can see how like if you like tilt your head right and you squint, you could like this show. It's fine. It's sometimes it's even good, you know? But then you just get hit with these fucking episodes and I'm just like, how the fuck does anyone deal with this bullshit? Why does anyone deal with this bullshit? Like, how the fuck did this get made? This is the thing. I think for a casual viewer, like, I think it's passable. I think it's a fine episode. But it's when you look at it and you think about it and you, like, try to turn it into a discussion. So, So, like, the average viewer may be like, oh, that seemed, like, kind of weird. Like, I don't... Or they might just think it was fine. Like, if this is the kind of show that you've just got on in the background because it happens to run the same time you make dinner on a Thursday night and you've just got it as background noise, you're half paying attention, this is probably quite an enjoyable episode because you get a couple of laughs, you get, you know, the Dean as the gym teacher. teacher. Like, that's the kind of... You get the fun plot twist of actually the bully was bullied himself and... You know... And, like, you get these, like, bits and pieces for a very, for, like, a casual viewer, it's probably quite a good, okay episode. It's just when you're really watching it for the point and the sake of analysis that it, it becomes such a sticky mess. And so, like, that's why I was saying a lot at the top of this episode, this is just maybe my opinion. Because I have, like, I'm watching this now with a much more critical eye than I ever have before and with a much more intent and paying a lot more attention to overarching character narratives and traits and presentations, and especially through different writers as well, and now different actors too for various characters. And obviously, like, this is your first time viewing the show, but you're also coming at it with a way more analytical sense than you would if you were just watching casually. Like, if I just convinced you to watch this 10 years ago and we were just (laughs) hanging out watching it not for a podcast, it would be a very different experience, right? So... I think that it depends on the point of view of the viewer as to whether or not this is a good episode. And I mean, that's true always because art is subjective, media is subjective, but this one in particular, I think is particularly so. Like it depends on the way that you are watching and for what purpose as to whether or not it is good and enjoyable or just infuriating. I am kind of worried to ask you, what you're going to rate this one out of five. Yeah. I'm expecting it to be the lowest we've had in a while. It is. Like, yeah. 100% it is. I've been sort of debating between, like, a one and a half and a two and a half. It feels really... I remember, like, the first season I was fucking ruthless. I was like, yeah. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to... But now that, like, you're reviewing Leverage, I, like, I know how much it, like, rips your heart out <laughs> when, like, your friend is like, oh, yeah, no, I'm giving this a one and a half. Yeah. It's like... But I, I, I think I'm going to give it a one and a half, honestly. Like, it just... I didn't think I was that mad about it. And then we started talking and I'm like, actually, like, a good chunk of this episode, if you think about it for 30 seconds, it makes me, like, incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. And just all of the missed opportunities mm-hmm. to actually show what their childhood was like. It's like, instead of showing what their childhood was like, they just showed what personas they put on at school. And it's like, that's all well and fine and dandy or whatever, but, like, it strips all of the nuance out of the characters. And that's really unfortunate because, yeah, like there is a lot of good that could have been done and it just didn't pan out that way. And it, it's it's frustrating. We usually talk about the show feeling disrespectful in terms of like racism and sexism and homophobia. 
which we didn't even fucking touch on the end of the episode when Dean makes the fucking sex joke about the, I assume, underage student falling on Sam after he's been possessed, which is just wildly inappropriate. It's really weird because I don't think we've actually discussed pedophilia really before in the podcast, but here we are. Add it to the fucking list. Like, it doesn't feel like much care was put into it. It feels almost malicious. Like, yeah, like character assassination. Yeah. Trying to force Dean into the box of the macho man is literally the... It doesn't work. They tried it. It failed. The first season demonstrates that. And, like, we joked about Jeremy Carver not liking Sam. We've joked about that because he just... Sam just either isn't very present or, like, bad shit happens to him, like, particularly in Jeremy Carver episodes. We've joked about that. But this episode by Darb in regards to Dean, it yeah, it feels... It feels ruthless. Like yeah. it just it feels like an absolute character assassination. And I think it feels so much like a character assassination because of all the growth and development and work. Jensen Ackles, the other writers, the directors, all of these people have all been putting in all of this effort and work and nuance into Dean. And he was like, Oh yeah, no, we're not gonna deal with any of that. The next episode is called Sex and Violence, which, given the discussion we've had today, <laughs> how, how are you feeling? Or not how are you feeling. I know how you're feeling. It's not good. What are your thoughts, fears, predictions, hopes, dreams for, for Sex and Violence? The fact that they specifically reference sex in the title makes me think that it's going to be some sort of monster that uses sex as, like, a lure or, like, it's, like, an inherent part. Like, a succubus mm-hmm. or a, like, Maybe a siren mm-hmm. or maybe even like a vampire because they're often quite sexualized. Yeah. And given the focus on sex, I am willing to bet there is going to be unintentional by Dean, by Dean content. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Okay. I am sorry, but you cannot say that they're going to do an episode about sex and not make a joke about how Dean's bi and they don't understand that jokes are canon. So now it's canon that Dean is bi. That I that fully, tracks. Yes, that, that tracks. That absolutely okay. tracks. Yeah, yes. lovely. Okay, I think that just about does it. If you have listened through this whole mess today, first of all, thank you. Second of all, we'll be back on our bullshit next week. We promise. <laughs> if you want, I can go back on my bullshit right now. Oh, do you have more bullshit? I have more bullshit. Oh. I had a thought outside of watching the episode okay. and so I wrote it down and I just spotted it in my notes would okay. you like me to share my thought yes as this fun little special bonus thing at the end of the episode yeah as a as a uh, a treat for putting up with all that shit <laughs> yeah not relevant at all to the episode wonderful hence wonderful. why I rated right to the end if the trickster is an angel for fuck's sake <laughs> mystery spot is the <laughs> angels testing to see what Sam would do if Dean died like a science experiment? Yeah. So you think that the angels are running counter science experiments in opposition to the demon science experiments? 100%. 100%. And Sam is somehow the guinea pig in both? Yes. I just, my brain is mush. I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with that right now. You're welcome. But no, you know what I'm saying. Like, it's, Yeah, no, it's, I know what you're saying. I just... I, it's no longer just like the tricks, the mess, but it's like... Like, because the angels knew... It's, it's testing. Yeah, it's testing. It's yeah. like the angels knew Dean's deal was coming up. And obviously they didn't want Dean to die. But it's like, is the reason they didn't want Dean dead because they were scared of what Sam would do without mm. Dean? Like, so therefore... So it's like a trial run. Did they perhaps bring Dean back from the dead 
because I thought he might be the only one who could stop what Sam was doing. It does provide more motivation for the trickster to, like, yeah. in that context of, like, him trying to teach Sam the lesson of, like, mm-hmm. Dean's going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe it's, like, they're aware of, like, well, if we can train Sam to, like, survive without Dean, then we don't have to go through the effort of fucking trying to save him from hell. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, unless yeah. there's some other We don't reason- have to waste the, like, yeah. you know, energy like rescuing. We can just leave him there. It's fine. <laughs> The trickster is actually on Cass's payroll. Like, <laughs> like, look, buddy, I don't want to have to go down there. Can you, can you take care of this for me? And unfortunately, the experiment was a fucking flop. Like, the biggest flop of flops, Phil. Sam was really in his flop era. Floppy hair, floppy morals, what can I say? <laughs> I told you I could go back on my bullshit. It's time to go now. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to interact with us... Uh, you can find us on any of our socials. We are chronically online, so feel free to chuck us a message or interact. We have all of our links in the description below. So yeah, thanks for for listening. Hopefully you enjoy. Hopefully it wasn't too. Hopefully it wasn't too much. Bye. <laughs> I I there is no fun like discussion topics for this one. I'm just I'm just an open out. I think it's okay. There is just send Beth pictures of James and Ackles and Jim Stewart. Just send us a list of all the moments in this episode where you're like, yeah, no, that's not Dean. Maybe Dean was possessed in this episode. Oh my god, ghost possession. It's new law. We didn't even talk about it. Oh my god, ghost possession, new law. Okay. New law just dropped. Ghost possession. They can do it. They just have to be mad enough? Yeah. Which, okay, why now? Why this ghost? Like, um, why is this ghost only now so angry that it's going to possess people? I think it was because the dad only just took up the job as the school bus driver because that permit was only two weeks old. Oh, okay. So I think it's just like, it's not that the spirit wasn't angry enough, it's that the spirit didn't have access to like... The spirit was attached to the hair. The hair, the the hair, hair was, was put on the bus, which is where... Yeah. And then it, it saw the bullying probably yeah. on the bus and then it got really fucking pissed about the bullying on the bus. Yeah. So it tagged along for the school day. Though if I, I was a ghost, I 100% would not go back to school. Like, fuck that shit. R.I.P. the Cullens, Jamie is not the same. <laughs> This is also our second instance of ectoplasm because we had it in No Exit. Yeah. And now we've had it here. So it's our second instance of ectoplasm, our first instance, I'm pretty sure, of ghost possession. And that is enough for today. I'm calling it. I know, there's probably more to talk about. We're only just hitting three hours now. Jamie, I swear to God. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I think that was a very fun. (laughs) That was like, we have a lot of points, but it's going to be hell to edit. Good luck. Thanks.